Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Hello, faithful listeners, and welcome to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely, lovely Monday morning. And it really has been lovely. In fact, this entire weekend was nice and warm, warm-ish for my area where I've been. In fact, on Thursday, I actually opened my window, like my, my sliding glass door I opened and it smelled so good outside and it didn't make the house very cold. I only cracked it a little bit, but it was warm enough for me that I could actually open my window comfortably because there was like no wind at all. It was a balmy 50 degrees <laughs> and it was just good. It was nice. And uh, I got a little bit of the fresh outside air inside the house. So tell me how your weather has been. I love hearing about weather and where you guys are from. I know that there are a lot of faithful listeners out in Texas. So if you're from Texas, I'd love to hear what the weather is down in sunny old Texas and how you handle the heat year round. I've never actually been to Texas and actually in general, all the states like in the Midwest there past Ohio, I haven't gotten a chance to visit, but I've been on the East Coast and on the West Coast and in some of the states in between. But I'm sad to say I haven't gotten a chance to visit Texas, but I would love to someday. I think Texas would be a very fantastic place to visit on a vacation someday. But let's get to the Bible, because that is what this podcast is about. We're going to be reading 1 Samuel chapter 12 today, and this is the portion where Samuel steps down as the judge of Israel. And it's actually a very sad portion of scripture. So let's get to this. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. This is 1 Samuel 12, 1 through 15. Samuel said to all of Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice in all that you said to me, and I have made a king over you. And behold, here's the king that walks before you. I am old and gray-headed. Behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before Yahweh and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Of whose hand have I taken a bribe to make me blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us. Neither have you taken anything from anyone's hand. He said to them, Yahweh is witness against you and his anointed is witness today that you have not found anything in my hand. They said, he is witness. Samuel said to the people, it is Yahweh who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought you and your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before Yahweh concerning all the righteous acts of Yahweh, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had come into Egypt and your fathers cried to Yahweh, Yahweh sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot Yahweh, their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. They cried to Yahweh and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken Yahweh and have served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. Yahweh sent Jerubal, 
Bedon, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. When Yahweh, your God, was your king. Now therefore see the king, whom you have chosen, and whom you have asked for. Behold, Yahweh has set a king over you. If you will fear Yahweh and serve him and not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then both you and also the king who reigns over you are followers of Yahweh, your God. But if you will not listen to Yahweh's voice, but rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then Yahweh's hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. So this entire speech is happening right after the coronation of Saul. That took place in the last chapter. The last chapter talked about this great party that Saul had and that the people had and they coronated Saul and they were all very, very excited. And so the last little bit of business is for Samuel to step down as judge and actually to remove the judge position completely. So here's what Samuel says. It's probably during this big party that everybody is having. He says to all of Israel, behold, I have listened to your voice and all that you said to me. I have made a king over you. Here's the king. (laughs) Depending on the version you read, it might actually seem more snarky than other versions. The W.E.B., the version I read out of, does not seem very snarky, but I was reading it out of the NIV and it seemed very snarky. Like Samuel's like, here's your king that you asked for. Look at him. It was very funny, I thought. But you can see, I mean, Samuel, I don't think he necessarily is angry that his position is taken away from him. But I think that he is angry more so that the people are rejecting the ways of God. They're rejecting the judges and they're rejecting God as being king to set up an earthly king. I mean, what we talked about last week was about how the people were way more willing to listen to Saul, their earthly king, than they were to listen to Yahweh. Like when Saul told them to jump, they were like, yeah, we're going to jump. And when Saul said that he was going to basically destroy the Ammonites, all the Israelites believed it. They were like, yeah, he's going to destroy the Ammonites. But when God told the people uh, before this that he was going to deliver them or to save them, the people were terrified. They were afraid. They were like, is God actually going to save us? Like, what's he going to do? And it just shows that people always want proof. They always want to see something. People do not walk by faith. They walk by sight. So that's why Jesus tells us to walk by faith and not by sight, because the the normal human response is to believe what you see instead of just believing what you cannot see. And uh, obviously believing what you cannot see is just faith. So the people wanting a king is just showing that they didn't have a lot of faith. And I think Samuel is angry about that. The people did not want God as their king because they couldn't see God. They couldn't control God. They wanted a earthly king that they could see and that they could control in some ways. But as we move into the story, we're going to see that it doesn't really go the way they think it's going to go. So anyway, Samuel says to all of Israel, I listened to you. Here's your king. And now I am stepping down. The king walks before you. I am old and gray. My sons are with you. So what Samuel is saying there 
is that he is stepping down from the judge role. And not only is he stepping down, but his sons are also stepping down. Like there's no more judges. That way of life that God ordained is done for the Israelite people. So Samuel now says this little spiel about himself. He says, have I done anything wrong during my time as judge with you? And he goes into, have I stolen any oxen? Have I stolen any donkeys? Have I defrauded anybody? Have I oppressed anybody? Have I ever taken a bribe from you guys to pervert justice or something like that? He goes into this. And the reason he's asking these questions about himself to the people is for two reasons. Firstly, so that he can make sure that he steps down with a clean conscience, meaning Have I accidentally done anything to hurt you guys? If so, I want to make it right right now before I step down. I want to make sure that I do everything the way God wanted me to do this. So that's the first reason he asks these questions, most likely. The second reason, most likely, is so that he proves to the people that he has done a good job as judge so that in the future, people can't blame Samuel when Saul messes up. A lot of people like to do that with their leaders. They like to blame the leader that was before the current leader because they don't want to admit that the current leader is the one that is truly messing up, right? You see that happening all the time in American politics constantly. So Samuel is looking to the future to make sure that he is protected. So he's telling the people, look, I haven't done anything to hurt you guys. You know, I haven't. I am not putting any extra burden on Saul when he takes over the role as king. And also, I think it was to show the people in the future when they are irritated with their king and when they realize that having a king was a very bad idea, they're going to look back at Samuel and the other judges as being a better system than the one that they desperately wanted. So after this, The people say to Samuel, they say, no, you have not defrauded us. You have not oppressed us. You have not stolen anything from us. So Samuel says, perfect. I've heard it from your own mouth. This king that you want right here has heard it. He is a witness. And also Yahweh is a witness. Here's what it says in verse five. Samuel said to them, Yahweh is witness against you. And his anointed is witness today that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. (laughs) And they're referring to Saul here, most likely because Saul was the one they could see. Once again, the people were not thinking about Yahweh as being witness against them or anything like that. They were looking at Saul. Saul was right in front of them. And they were like, yeah, Saul, our new king is witness that you have not done anything wrong, Samuel. They don't even think about God. So Samuel says to the people after this in verse six, it is Yahweh who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before Yahweh concerning all the righteous acts of Yahweh, which he did to you and to your fathers. Now, the reason Samuel goes into this now and he recounts every good thing that God did for the Israelites over the years is so once again in the future, the Israelites will remember that the old system was better. The system that they rejected, the system of God being their king and the judges being the mouthpieces of God, that was a better system for them than having an earthly king 
who they listen to instead, an earthly king who is always going to fail. So that brings me now to the differences between kings and judges, because there are quite a few differences. And I think a lot of people almost mistake judges for quasi kings, which they were not. They weren't even close to kings. They were judges. So the first difference between a king and a judge was that kings were elevated above the people and judges were not. A great example of this actually is 1 Samuel 9, verse 18. If you go back to that, this was when Saul, before he was even anointed king, he was going and looking for those donkeys, if you guys remember that story. And he was trying to find Samuel, the the high priest and the judge and the prophet, to tell him where the donkeys were. So, so Saul is looking around for Samuel. In verse 18, it actually says, Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, will you please tell me where the seer's house is? And Samuel answers, I am the seer. Samuel looked so ordinary. He looked like just any other person off the street that Saul couldn't even tell that Samuel was the high priest and the judge of Israel. So Samuel was not elevated above the people. He didn't live in a fancy castle. He didn't live in a fortified city. He lived probably in very ordinary circumstances among the people to the point where Saul doesn't even recognize Samuel as anybody unique. He didn't recognize him. That is the first difference between judges and kings. Kings were elevated above the people. Kings looked unique. They always wore fancy clothing whereas judges were part of the people and they did community projects with the people. And if you didn't know who the judge was, you would never have known that he was the judge. And that is the first difference. Judges were not elevated. And that is because God was the king. God was elevated and judges were not. So that's the first difference. The second difference is that kings ruled the people. Judges did not. Judges only judged. Okay. So every single time you see a judge, they're never doing anything kingly. They are just being mouthpieces for God. So they're basically giving God's rule to the people instead of making the rule themselves, if that helps. So judges only judged using the rules that were already in place. They did not make their own rules. They did not fabricate new laws. They were supposed to be in communication with the priests and also with God to interpret God's rule to the people, whereas kings did not do that. And that's why actually it was sinful for the people to demand an earthly king. They were asking for an earthly king to make new rules to the people instead of listening to God's rule. That's why it was a sin. Now, the third way that judges are different from kings is that you're going to notice that judges could be priests, but kings could not. The only exception to that rule, obviously, is King Jesus. He is both a king and our high priest. But of course, he's God. (laughs) That's a very different circumstance. But in the Old Testament, the kings could not be priests. And we're going to see that play out a few times where kings try to become priests, try to become high priests, and they actually get punished by God for doing that. 
But judges could be priests. Kings could not. And the reason being, kings were granted so much power, but they could not have absolute power. Hence why a king could not be a priest. But a judge who followed God's rule could be a priest because both judges and priests interpreted God's will and interpreted what uh, God wanted for the people. So that's why judges could be priests, but kings could not be priests because kings had too much power and giving them absolute power would be very wrong and it would start to pervert things very quickly. And God did not want the Old Testament law perverted at all. So that's the difference between kings and judges, if that helps, and why God instituted judges initially, but not kings. So in 1 Samuel 12, Samuel is stepping down from his role as judge, not his role as priest, by the way, his role as judge. So the judge role is officially over and it's going to be over basically forever after this point. And Israel is only going to keep getting kings until the time of Jesus, when Jesus becomes our king and our high priest and he fulfills both roles perfectly. He provides for us. He rules us. He judges us. He gives us what we need. And he also intercedes for God for us, meaning he prays for us. He asks the father to forgive us when we sin. I've actually found myself recently praying to Jesus to ask him to be my high priest and to talk to the father on my behalf. And this makes a lot of sense because this is something I also do in real life with my sister. <laughs> like when, whenever my mom and I are arguing or something along those lines, the first person I call is my sister. Okay. Because my sister is a really good mediator and I ask my sister to talk to mom for me. <laughs> I do. It's a normal human habit. And so why can't we do the same thing with our high priest, who is Jesus and also our big brother. Jesus calls himself our brother. So I have noticed my prayer life changing a little bit to ask Jesus to be my high priest more often. But to conclude this episode, Samuel tells the Israelites in verses eight through 11, everything that Yahweh did as their king to save them. And how unfortunately, the people still rejected Yahweh, even though Yahweh showed himself to be an excellent king who provided for them, who took care of them, who defeated enemies for them multiple times. There were times where the Israelites didn't even have to go out to battle because God had already done the entire battle for them. And yet the Israelites were not happy with that. They wanted to see their king. They were walking by sight and not by faith. Alrighty, faithful listeners, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday. Thank you for starting out your week strong to join in scripture reading with me. And I hope you remember today's message that you should walk by faith and not by sight. Remembering that God is your king, that Jesus is your high priest. And even though we can't see them, we know that they are there because we have faith in them. So remember that as you go into your week, I will see you guys tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Happy listening and God bless.